Hello, welcome to a new series of Boss Women, a podcast about women, comedy and business. My name's Katie and this is my mum, Karen. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. Mama said there'll be days like this, there'll be days like this, Mama said. Mama said, Mama said, Mama said there'll be days like this, there'll be days like this, my Mama said. Mother, how are you? I'm fine. What when? What date are we? What time of year is it? Um, it's the sixth of April, and all is well with the world. Just. <laughs> well, we've we've had quite a lot happen since we last recorded anything um, before Christmas, and uh, we're reeling to go now. We've we got are a good new season in front of us, and everything's going to be rosy and. Happy and lovely, isn't yes, it, Katie? It is, and we're going to be much more professional podcasters in our second season of Boss Woman, aren't we? <laughs> okay, yes. <laughs> good, good. So, uh, give us a wee update, Karen. What we've been up to? So, we had a tough winter. We had after the festival last year. Um, we realised that things were not as rosy as they've been in the past. We had overstretched ourselves we uh, produced too much we gave too many good deals um, to performers and um, lots of other things which we can go into if you think we should go into it <laughs> or not I'm sure we should go in but, de- into detail but basically our expenditure was more than our income and for the fringe last year so we um spoke to various people including the fringe and the university about how difficult everything's been and how uh, you saw the students union association is going to start doing building work onto tv which is going to make it difficult for us and we out of the blue um were offered adam house in chamber street which is just fantastic because it's something that i actually tried to get uh, in the late 90s i applied for it we did a big presentation to the university to get it but what was it i then? was pipped at the post <laughs> by uh, i was pipped at the post by um Famous Grouse House, it became. But what was it before that? What was it when you were pitching for it? Was it just a university building? No, it wasn't just... It, it had been used... Um, During the fringe. Yeah, but it, was, it wasn't used as a venue. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it was actually... I, I just realised it was Faith Little, in fact, that was uh, the driving force behind um, the famous Grouse House. Oh, really? And um, another chap called Scott, um, Peter Scott, Um, and they had it for a few years. Um, I mean, I think Faith was only involved for the first year, and then... But it was um, a venue, it wasn't just a... No, it was a very good, creative venue. Sponsored by by Famous Grouse. Grouse, Yeah, Yeah, great. That was, again, when we tried to get it, and by default, C Venues got it. So C Venues was there for a long time, and... um, it was decided that they had to move on and we fell into place, which is fantastic. But this is going to be our first year and lots and lots of plans for it. Uh, Yeah, it's an incredible building, four floors with a basement. Mm -hmm. Um, Currently the architecture school. Uh, Yeah, and there's just so much opportunity in that building because it's basically four blank empty rooms, isn't it? So it's quite adaptable and flexible to different kind of performance spaces and stuff. So it's an incredible opportunity for us. And I think 
you know, we would be wrong to say that people hadn't suggested, shall we say, that Gilda Balloon got that venue. Uh, you know, the Fringe and all of our other venues were very supportive of us growing and getting that venue. So, yeah, we're super pleased about it. It's very exciting, but also terrifying. <laughs> it's a bit scary, yes, because um, we um, want to make it... Uh, a strong professional venue uh, we want to put our own stamp on it and it's that is not necessarily cheap And but we haven't done we haven't uh, well apart from Rose Theatre we haven't felt like we've well the difference we haven't had a new venue in our books since I've been here apart from the Rose Theatre but the Rose Theatre was slightly different in that all the kit was already in there and, and they they were building it as a theatre rather it than was, us it, it was a different model rather than us going in and designing and building everything the way that we want it. So it's uh, exciting, but because I'm now trying to take over more and do more, it's the first kind of venue that I kind of... we When we decided, yes, we're going to go for it, I was then like, uh, what now? <laughs> what on earth? How, how on earth do you even start? So it's all quite daunting, and I think I leaned on you quite heavily because you got stuck in straight away, didn't you, in January yeah. and got... Seating and lighting and all the suppliers on board and up to see it and and I kind of sat in the sidelines kind of watching you do all this stuff because I didn't really know how to make a start on it. Mm -hmm. So I guess this week's episode is going to be about new venues and establishing them as part of the Fringe. Obviously this venue's been a part of the Fringe uh, before but establishing it as part of our uh, venue portfolio and making it feel like it's always been there or always been part of the Guild of Bloom. How do we kind of, how do you kind of do that? Because I've never. Had well, I to. think I think you are already sliding very comfortably into it, Katie, because you have uh, all these ideas, and I haven't really noticed much about it, but I've been beginning to feel it more and more over the last year or two, where you've been putting our Scottish stamp on the Guild of Bloon, in that we are two women mm -hmm. running. Um, a venue at the Edinburgh Festival Fringe, but we are the only ones of the bigger venues that are that live and work here in Scotland in Edinburgh. And proud of our roots. That's that right. Are. Proud of our roots, and we want to push that. And by pushing it, you have been using wording like "Gianet Laldi" <laughs> um, as one of our strat lines, and "Hiya pals," and and all your social media has been putting a lot of Scottishness on it. And this venue, we are going to call the Gilded Balloon Patterhoos. The Patterhoos, yeah, exactly. And the venues within them are all going to be um, Scottish named like Dune Stairs, the Big Yin, the, the Other Yin and the Dram and the Nip. Yeah. And the Dram and the Nip are a 60 and a 50 seater, so they're just wee. And we have managed to get some sponsorship already. Yes, um, that's a big win because, I mean, when we sat down to figure out whether we could take on the venue, uh, looking at the budgets, it is terrifying. Uh, there's huge upfront costs that, that uh, need to be invested into the building. Uh, and we obviously straight away need, knew that we had to get some kind of fina financial backing uh, in order to be able to do it. So, yeah, luckily... 
the lovely Johnny people at Johnny Walker uh, came in to meet us, and they are opening the most incredible visitor centres centre in the in the West End of Edinburgh, the old uh, House of Frasers in the West End, which will be incredible when it's finished. So or actually, the old bins. It was called bins. It was called bins. Yeah. It was. What it's a name. Oh, for God's it's sake. It's very good. We used to always have a date and meet in, at the bins corner. Have a date? Under the clock. When you, oh, when you right. were meeting people. Yeah, we used to be like, you want to meet at Fraser's at one? Uh-huh. That was a bit less classy. Well, actually, bins was, isn't very good. Bins corner, <laughs> under the clock. Very good. Uh, anyway, they're restoring the clock, which I'm very pleased about. Um, so, the... the it's Diageo mm-hmm. that own um, Johnny Walker, Johnny Walker, and they are, um, you know, doing a lot. It's a huge presence in Edinburgh, yeah. And uh, we are consequently our bar will be called the Johnny Walker Lounge, yes, exactly. Very, so, and that will help us enormously to mm-hmm. make it all mm-hmm. work. Um, and just having their support really, and having a good product on offer, and all that is. Uh, yeah, going to be really valuable to the space. But what I want to talk about is previous... Uh, what's it called? Encounters. You, no, <laughs> previous... When you take on new venues, what is that called? Accumulating, accumulating new, venues. new venues. exactly. Um, previous accumulations of venues uh, in the past that you've done before. Because you've had venues all over Edinburgh in the past. And how... It's not so daunting when you see an empty room and you have to put tens of thousands of pounds into it in order to make it run and actually operate it as a fringe venue. How do you even start? Well, think about think about how do the free fringe do? They just go there and um, open a room, don't they? Mm-hmm. And they use their people's seats, and you know they hardly put any lights, and you know and. Luckily, we, well, not luckily, but I think we are a bit more professional than that and want to do it a bit uh, better than that. But in the old days, when I first started, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, um, the first, very first venue I did at the Edinburgh Festival Fringe in 1985, we called McNally's, but it was a townhouse in... A townhouse? Well, I think you call it a townhouse, don't you? I uh, thought McNally's was a bar, No. McNally's was a townhouse oh that we converted completely into. misunderstood the story. <laughs> converted into a restaurant and bar and venue. Bloody hell! And it and I say we. I was uh, working with um, the now um, platform jazz. They were called uh, in the Caledonian Hotel doing the jazz nights. And this guy came along and said, "Did I want to?" try something else and he wanted to start what he really wanted to do was start a casino but I didn't know that Mm -hmm. Um, he wanted a front woman a blonde front woman (laughs) yeah hostess with the most and I was actually working for O'Neill's part time uh, showing houses and he one of his one of his one of his flats was on Princess Street and he pretend, he came in and pretended to be a client, uh, somebody wanting to buy the house. And I was showing the flat and selling it, you know. Yes. And he found out that he thought I was a bit of a chat to have a ride. <laughs> no. Oh, sorry. How dare you? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he had his own thoughts, but he didn't um, put them across. He actually pulled the wool over my eyes and oh. tried to pretend he was a buyer. And then, and he was obviously impressed, 
and he came to me and asked me if I wanted to go into this business and I said I would only do it if I became a direct if he made me a director great which well not really because he well, paid me he yeah, paid me 50 pound a week yeah but it's good and, for you to go in and say no I'm only doing this if you if you make me top dog one of well it was all my ideas even although he I don't understand how you could have those ideas from going to from nothing to that well, why? he was the one with the money that... Yeah, but why? how did you have the vision to make it into a performance space? No, well, we what we wanted to do, because he couldn't get the permission to have it as a gambling club, oh. not that I knew that, uh, we made it into a theatre club and made it a bit like a drinking club in London, you know, like um, the Groucho or... Like a members know, A members bar. club, and yeah. that's exactly what we did. We had... Um, uh, plastic cards. This is back in the early 80s when none of that kind of thing was ever done. Mm-hmm. So it was quite innovative for its, its time. And um, we had the the ground floor uh, as a restaurant and he made it like a, a circus tent and it was all... Wow. Um, you know murals and it was it was fantastic yeah and on the 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 second floor or first floor sorry uh, we had a long bar and in the B window was the stage with a piano and little you know uh, nice velvet um, seats and bloody blah and cabaret yeah yeah it was a cabaret club Mm -hmm. And that's what we did. We had people coming for dinner and uh, seeing, and that's when I started booking stand-up comedy. I did put Craig Ferguson in there. Yeah. I put, you know, I put Kit, a Kit and the Widow. Yeah, I put them in there. Had but you I, been involved in comedy before that, though? How did you get? How no, did you just through just comedy? through the people I knew, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I also had um, Alan Cumming and um, Forbes Masson and. Um, Was that during the French? Um, no, but we did it? it during the year as well. We were doing it, but it would have been mostly Scottish acts yeah, throughout the year. It was mainly Scottish acts. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, Kate Copstick was one of the one of the cabaret artists. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! She was hilarious. She wore this wig and uh, floating, beautiful, um, uh, uh, see-through long dress and wow. a wig, and we had a. Um, Baby Grand and a guy was playing it and she was singing and she she um, <laughs> was lying across the across the piano, uh, piano and her wig fell. Off. <laughs> <laughs> she was not the best, but you know, oh, God sh- loves a trier. <laughs> you know, uh, I'll have to interview her during the fringe. Yeah, she, she is. Did. She is such a chatterbox. That uh, anyway, back to venue sorry. stuff. So, so how that, did that was, go? Uh, Terrible. <laughs> Why? Well, um, it didn't go terribly. It went it went well for a while, but, you know, this guy, the guy that was, he wanted, you know, very similar to another um, uh, landlord we have at the moment. Yes. Incredibly similar mm-hmm. because he wanted profit right away. He wanted it all to work. And what he didn't see, and he started coming to auditions. We, were, we did auditions. Wow for performers and he started coming with me and being really abrupt to the poor performers and saying um, no we don't want you and I'd say you can't talk to people like that you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, and so and the, the festival was great that first festival so that's in, when you had um, Alan Cumming 
during the festival? Or was no, that... he was. He we had Kit and the Widow during the festival, oh, which, right. um, and we had um, Paul Merton, mm-hmm. um, and um, we had uh, Arnold Brown, uh, who was one of the first comedy store players. Uh, not players, but he started in the comedy store. Yeah, of the um, and we had lots and lots of that kind of thing, and we had Malarkey and Myers, which was Mark, Mark Myers. Mike Myers, sorry, <laughs> Malarkey and Myers were a. Um, they were they were they became part of the comedy store players, but Mike Myers, of course, went off and did Saturday Night Live, and then mm. um, um, what's that film that they did? You know, Austin Powers. Yeah, but no, but before I was going to say it, anyway. that's quite a way down the line. Yeah. Um, so there was a lot of these kind of people and people like Billy Connolly would come down with his wife Amazing, and, yeah. so it was uh, and, um, so it was a good, it was a popular place for artists potentially yes. but not financially successful yes. and, and, and the thing was that um, McNally he wanted it to work right away and he wanted was, money yeah. he wanted it and to he was very very pushy and very, it was very it was a very difficult time how long were you there for? A year, we did it for a year and no. then I ended up having to walk away because he was so difficult mm-hmm. but at that time um, Andrew Brown and various other people they would come out. he came to me and said would I come and have a look at um, the Gilded Balloon which was a bar and restaurant and the 369 was part of that and they'd moved to the Cowgate and he mm-hmm. asked me if I would come and have a look and would I consider doing something there? And at first, I was just booking stuff into. I, I was just kind of like a booker, you yeah. know. And I had started a, a comedy touring agency with Magic Bob, <laughs> Bob Quiletti, who was fantastic. Yeah, you know. Um, and him and I did comic roots, R O U T E S, of course, roots as yeah. in, uh, and we. We booked, and that's when I thought I'm going to be an agent, and I'm going to. So that's where I started, rather than the fringe stuff. Yeah, but then, of course, what happened was the fringe took over because in the three six nine gallery, they had a education room, and he said you can make a theatre here, and that ended up being a hundred and fifty seater, would you believe? And it wasn't that big a space, mm-hmm. uh, and that was when we started the Gilded Balloon. Theatre, we called it then, Gilded Balloon Theatre. But that was the studio theatre in yes. the Cowgate, which yes. was 150 seats. Yes. So and what year the was first that? Thing 1986. Did, yeah. And the first thing I did was put arena seating in it. Arena I being, the, it, yeah. being the rape seating. And what? How did you have the vision to do that? That seems mad. Why did you want to do that? Why well, would, I wanted would, it to be more than like a theatre. So, you, but but I, the, my first thing would be you would just do it on the cheap so that you could get through your first year because you didn't really know what you were doing. I know, but it it wouldn't have worked just because we did it on the flat the rest of the year, mm-hmm. you know. And, oh, I see. Yeah, and we ha- we had a little stage. I think it was seven foot by. Yeah, five foot or something, and we had a lovely little bar in the corner. Oh no, I remember um, it. Which where Kathy Dick and them worked. But it was um, a three-sided, wasn't it? Was the stage yes. three-sided? Yes, the three. Uh, but the the seating was L-shaped. Or was it only on the 
Yeah, so yeah. what didn't block the bar, basically, because yeah. that's where the performance right. would come in. That's right. Exactly. Sorry, this is completely irrelevant for anyone that has no idea what this place looks <laughs> like. I know, you were just getting it in your head on just Yeah, that. sorry. But, um, I mean, what was awful about it was there was no facilities for the performers. There was a back alley. I know, I remember um, it. And there God. was no toilet or anything, you know. So it was very much... Um, you know, I was going to say grassroots, but you know, it was really it was grungy. Yeah, it was. very grungy. Yeah. Um, and from there, we went into Wilkie House next door. But did the grungy vibe kind of add to the yes feel of it? Is that yes. why people quite liked it because it was real? That's absolutely right. And also, the thing that was great about it was it was word of mouth. It was all of us talking to people. It was it was performers talking to other performers and us inviting them down or not even inviting them down just saying we'll see you down at the Guild of Moon mm, mm. people started coming because the other venues were doing a lot of theatre and they were using comedy to subsidise their theatre yeah, which I, think. I didn't do I was comedy. very much comedy and we went we, we got a venue across the road in Blair Street which is now Cab, Cab Voltaire. Yeah, we were there every year, and we. And you, why did you call it the Peppermint Lounge? I didn't call it the Ke- Peppermint Lounge. Oh, it, it was called that before. Yeah. All oh, right. Yeah. Uh-huh. It, it, in, in fact, it was called something else before that. Did you? That that is two arches, isn't it? It's the underground vaults, oh. but there's two of them. Did you just use one as a performance? I just it? used one because they now use two, and the noise bleed is mad. Yeah, of course, it yeah. would be. Um, and then we got. Um, this <laughs> we got a um, it was a hostel across the road diagonally across the road from um, Cab Vol come no from? no the other way going down towards um, down under, uh, where Underbelly is but, oh right so there was a school and it was behind the school and there was a flat there and there was a two story uh, hostel where they had all these beds and everything. Oh my god! And oh they, yeah, but what year was that? That was in the nineties. So, but just go through it for me because you didn't explain. You had the single venue studio theatre in nineteen eighty six, which mm-hmm. was one hundred and fifty seats, mm-hmm. and you had how many shows on a day? During seven the, shows a day. Seven shows a day during the fringe, mm-hmm. and then how, what did you do year round there? Not very we, often. We put on probably about once a month comedy, and then did you realise that in order to be able to support yourself, make any money. You needed more venues. Is that why you started looking for more yeah. venues? So we went into Wilkie House next door, which was owned by the Edinburgh University Settlement, and they had other rooms upstairs. So that became the backstage. That was backstage, yeah. Which um, is now the Mash House. It's now the Mash House. Mm-hmm. And then we had another two rooms above that. Um, I'm not sure if the mash are... In fact, I think they use them in the festival, I think which they do, yeah. just the tonic do it. Yeah. And, and then we also d- used Belongel. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, the Belongel. Um, when... This is all before the fire, obviously. But was this... I don't think it was... It wasn't driven by money, though. It was actually driven by performers coming to you and wanting spaces. Yes, yes. Uh, right from the very beginning, yeah. it was driven by performers wanting spaces and... And, and it snowballed from there. How do you even... I mean, this is the thing that I struggle with in Edinburgh, is trying to find new venues. How do you even start well, looking for new remember venues? remember, this is in a place... This is a time when... Yeah, there wasn't as many venue operators. That's and, right. And, no, no. Um, 
I was offered the old Traverse building, which was fantastic. That was at the bottom of Victoria Street. Yeah, Victoria Street. Yeah, um, and they moved out to their new premises, and there was two venues there, and I operated that for about three or four years. And I, what was that called? Um, it was called. Oh God. Well, it wasn't operating during the year. It was called Gilderblin 2. No. What was it? Um, but yeah, you just, you, you what just ended it during up the happening was the... Yes, but I tried to get it all year round. Mm-hmm. And um, the university settlement managed to get it. Um, and I'm trying to remember because um, they, they got it... And then it was put out to tender, and we tendered for it with from because the council owned the building. Yeah, and um, it was um, another um, venue that was that used to work that were up in the high street. They got it. Really? Uh-huh. Oh, uh huh. I thought we, it was. T- I thought I didn't realise another venue operator got it. Well, they got it all year round. But what they did was closed it during the year because I was going to use it as a year round theatre. Yeah. yeah, and it was the most one of the most disappointing things that happened. I know in it, career. it could have just been because, incredible. Yeah, because it's the absolute right size for us and doing yeah. comedy and what we do. Absolute right and size and an incredible location as well. Yeah, and she um, she was supported by a councillor. And I remember going to the council and giving all this. And I got a theatre company to help me as well to to do With the, the pitch. The bed, yeah, yeah. yeah. And oh, it was just so disappointing because. Were you tendering to buy it? No, so you to rent have, it. Yeah. Uh, to have a lease from mm-hmm. them, um, but we um, and they ended up uh, shutting it in the winter, and they didn't have any heating in it, and um, it ended up. Um, getting damp and burst pipes and the whole place was nearly condemned. Bloody hell. And it was just such Because they didn't look after it. Yeah, because they didn't look after it. And I actually offered to go in and get everything fixed and, you know, I offered to rent it off them. Mm. But And and I just think it's such a shame that, you know, some people just let things go, you know. totally. So that was a disappointment, and there's been many. But yes, and then many disappointments over the years. So I've always felt like I've been hitting my head against a brick wall trying to, because it was very frustrating being in the Cowgate because we couldn't get an all year round venue because a license. You mean all year? Sorry, all year round license because the doors weren't um, wide wide enough for you know bloody. It was an old building, and it Yeah. yeah. And and but we did end up um, having a big application when the lottery funding came in, and we were only, I was told that we were second in line to getting it, but um, the arches got the it. arches got it in Glasgow, yeah. so that was another yeah. tragedy. <laughs> I know, but the arches was an incredible venue. Yes, it was time. absolutely. Um, so you started expanding across the place. Do you have any uh, stories of complete disasters moving into other venues? 
Well, that is obviously my biggest fear, is that it's all going to not be able to open on opening day. No, the thing is, if you're determined enough, it's going to open. You know, you're going to... You're going to make sure it opens. There's no yes. way you can't do anything else. I mean, I have to say, Gilderbloom Two, which was a hostel. I mean, this was a guy who was running hostels in the high street and everything, and in um, off just off the high street. And he, we had a deal that I would use it for the festival, and he would use it as a hostel mm-hmm. uh, the rest of the year. And it it was work. Was it such a good idea you know yeah Yeah. that's where the wee room was born there was the wee room you just opened and you walked straight onto the stage yeah and we made steps up i remember that room like the the traverse had yeah health and safety now it probably wouldn't have worked but yeah (laughs) and we um remember we had craig charles on uh, the the venue upstairs and it was huge we put a huge bank of seats and we had a um uh fire escape at the back and mm-hmm. we opened the door and we got complaints from the... What, because of the noise? Well, the complaints we got, which I still get trolls on, you know, people telling me how on awful the internet. Um Because the housing behind, somebody heard, heard Craig Charles um, swearing <laughs> And they, it was. They wrote to the evening news and oh said my God. all the swear words coming out the back of, you, go of um, you know, this venue and how awful it was and bloody blah. Jesus, and, get a grip. Um, and then I also put in a play um, that was um, about um, the Moors murderer mm. murderers, but it wasn't about the Moor murderers. It was about um, a couple that were staying in a flat and they had the the poster of of um, the girl, you know that poster that yeah. everyone recognises, yeah. and it was about that. It wasn't about, but the press got hold of it and just Went ripped us apart, and you know, and it was crazy, you know, when no, yeah, you know, you have difficulty defending yourself. Yeah, of course, you know. Um, so that and that place was. We had a little cafe in it. We had. Uh, down th- another li- really nice spaces in it that the flat was a bit grungy and we let the staff stay there and oh really yeah did they did they live there during the fridge? yeah yeah oh god <coughs> yeah it wasn't very but there I must mean, have been time I would, I would probably be you know health and safety now would yeah. kill me yeah uh, but there must have been times when you were building venues and you've had disasters like seating not fitting or you know, two, I don't know, big rakes of banks seats falling over or, I don't know, I'm just... No, you always cover your pets. <laughs> you always make sure... I mean, I mean, the worst disasters were people wanting to bring in sets that were too big. And, yeah, you know, that, that happens, I mean, yeah. that... I mean, one of the things that you learn over the years is you say, look, this is a festival that we have half an hour or 15 minute turnaround times mm-hmm. and you come in and you bring a minimal set and, you know, there's no storage and otherwise we wouldn't be able to do what we do, you know. But no no disasters of roofs falling in or anything mad like that then? You've been quite lucky, do you think? Well, I mean, this is a a sort of going off off the the subject a bit but when we first started the ice rink in 
in the middle of Edinburgh Prince Street Gardens, mm-hmm. the gales blew all the roofs off of the wee huts of all the huts, oh and we had to God. we had to close and start again. And what, I mean, first year, or yeah, year? the first year, it was just awful. Jesus, and I mean, disasters like that, you have to just pick it all up and get on with it, you know, and find a solution. Yeah, and leaves on the ice and <laughs> pick people up yes, people run, get I know, the ice rink is a whole other yeah. risk <laughs> risk factor story that we can go into another time yeah but um, as far as venues concerned um, I also went into um, the caves which um, even although we didn't make money there, it was a great venue. It was great. But were you the first operators? In yes, there? we were the first operators Because, there. you know, the complaints in that venue will be drip, drippy, drip, drip on the oh, on a, lot, a lot of... You sit in the audience case. and you get... Yeah. And we, we actually covered the benches with tarpaulin. <laughs> <laughs> but we Sliding. tried to put tarpaulin up in the... The caves, but the actual biggest cave was where we had Flight of the Concords. Yeah, and, I remember seeing um, that. And the Cuban brothers as well. Mm-hmm. And well, it must just, have just got so sweaty. I mean, they just did so well, and people. And consequently, the the venues really, the venue really worked. It you does. Know? Yeah. I mean, it still does. Yeah. Yeah, it's but we ended up giving it over to Underbelly, which yeah, we should should never have done that. Because they are incredible venues, but yeah, but we, but I've I've done a lot of that kind of thing where, you know, when Underbelly was first in Edinburgh, we gave them office space and you know, bloody blah, blah. So you know, you do that kind of thing because you want to be cooperative and helpful. Well, yeah, but that's not a bad thing. No, I'm not saying it is. Uh, so tell me about any. Uh, obviously, with some of our venues, we've got different relationships with the people that run the venues. People, because some people we're quite matey with, other people we have quite difficult relationships with. Do you have any experience of that in the past of having terrible relationships, or has it all been quite good? Well, I have had some of the worst landlords, really, in every single place we've been. The and and sorry to say this, but they are men. Yeah. <laughs> um, God. Arrogant, uh, full of themselves. Is that because they um, think they hold the rich? Power. They hold the power. Yeah, they've got yes. money and and s- some of them so unfair. Mm-hmm. Some of them so unfair, and I have become quite tolerant of, or I, I can now manage. Um, what what to get annoyed at and what not to get annoyed at. But, our, I mean, I was mentioning about McNally's, but after that, um, the 369 gallery actually went belly up. Mm. And I ended up taking over more than just the studio space. I had um, the actual gallery downstairs and, yeah. and we had that as a venue and then we changed it into a bar called the Gilded Saloon and um, the the landlord of that building wa- had been on the board of the 369 and he was uh, a little Glasgow lawyer. I will name you, actually. <laughs> Your name is Forbes Leslie and you were the most difficult man that I ever had the pleasure of knowing or oh god he was he was so difficult 
and he was... Is that just because he didn't care, didn't care about what you were doing? Or was it just because he was a not very well, nice man? Well, most of them, I've found out, are quite greedy. Yeah. They're greedy about their rent and about mm. their... I mean, I I did did my best to get on with uh, to get on with him but mm-hmm. I mean when we bent, burnt, burnt down I'm sure I ended up I was paying the um, the insurance and he got the insurance I didn't you know we had contents insurance luckily but mm-hmm. we and we didn't get any loss of business or anything like no, that you no. know um, but because I wanted to try and apply for lottery funding to you know we were always trying to improve it prove and and get venues and and he was a part of that process mm-hmm. but it was very very difficult but did he hinder it or um yes yeah. <laughs> yes yeah. everything was have you got any experience of positive relationships with these people with landlords or with people um, that run that you're renting venues off of i mean my my whole um, I was always planning for the p- future and everything I would always think of it all meaning it was going to be all right you know that, okay we have to spend money on that but you know always forward planning and that's what the lottery funding was and um, I actually it ended up that the Edinburgh University settlement who had Wilkie House went out of business. And or it wasn't that they went out of business, they decided to sell it to this the operator who was doing the 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 discos during the year. Mm-hmm. And I actually got on really well with him. Okay. Uh, even although he was uh, doing late night clubs and we ended up letting him do late night clubs in our studio as well. Oh, really? So they they sort of would at night you would have people in in this is year round you're talking yeah, about yeah Wilkie House and <laughs> in the tiny wish to do. Oh, when I think about it, he was such a um, entrepreneurial type guy, but he did such daft things like he he had to try and um, soundproof the gallery. Our, our studio space yeah and he put sand uh, he put sand bags bags in between the glass and oh boards my and God. they blew out into oh the ground game didn't God. they Are I mean it was it was I just couldn't believe it that he you know because I mean oh, and of course no. this place started stinking of beer and all that and mm. oh, it wasn't you know it became too grungy for yeah. me but <laughs> I did not you. set light to the place yeah <laughs> but it did go up like a tinderbox when it went oh, oh because it was so much wood and yeah I know I had the most beautiful uh, room at the top of the building that none of us could use because it was all wood and it would have made a brilliant venue um, what was when it? you came out the back of the studio there was wooden wooden stairs up to the next floor which yeah. was my offices and yeah. I, um, after a few years I went up there and then you go up another flight and there was a huge big studio really beautiful but you couldn't use in it in the eaves it wasn't in eaves it was a big square room really it was incredible but what room. you couldn't have fire like there was no no, no it was the it access was, was terrible no it was dangerous yeah 
And also, if you went along the corridor, um, there was uh, um, the bridge, like mm -hmm. North Bridge. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was a, a secret room as well. Yeah, that was amazing. Room. Yeah. But did you ever have any issues at that venue with evacuations and stuff? You know, because I used to get. I was going to swear. Used to get very packed yes, during it, the fringe. I remember be being at hip level to everyone and my head bashing off everyone trying to get through the crowds. But it, we did have um, a back. We had we had um, escape routes at the back. Fire as well. exits. Yeah, 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 fire exits. So we were legal. Yeah, but you, it must have got. Did it I mean? Did it get scary in that venue because it was so no. busy? No, what got scary in the, was when you were in the bar in Wilkie House, yeah, next to which is where we had theater. Late and Live, yeah. and the gadflies were on um, in the studio, and people were dancing, and it was jumping, and all the soup <gasps> and crap would come into all the drinks, and because it would right above the bar, in, and oh it would just, God. it would all Dust just would fall, just trickle down into all the drinks, and you'd be. <laughs> You know, you couldn't see people for the dust. Oh my god! It was that was dangerous. Yeah, I yeah. Think. Jesus. But hey, that was life. Yeah, yeah. My god. I mean, it was. I mean, that venue, Wilkie House, was amazing, and that was, was overcrowded a lot. Yeah, I was going to say that that bar must have got. I mean, the amount of comics that I would have lining up. But that's yeah. what I was going to say as well. I, like you saying that, you know, go to Balloon back in the 90s in the Cowgate was where everyone used to just come down. Are you sure it wasn't something to do with you? That you were just a, a laugh and everyone liked and you were creating this camaraderie between people and you had a welcoming, you know, even motherly spirit in that everyone should come in. Well, that's nice of you to say. I'm not saying that... It, I don't think it was just me. I think it was yeah. the people... That Jen, you know, I mean, it was Steve and Jan, and yeah. um, you know, all the all the comics we knew because there was not a centre for comedy, and that's why now it's become such a business, mm -hmm. and it's competitive now, and everybody wants to be a star. Then stars emerged from this, but mm -hmm. you know, it no, wasn't a yeah yeah it wasn't kind of the goal. It was no. they loved doing comedy and yeah. It was great. Mm. It was great, and there was a much uh, softer atmosphere. Well, what's what? Because obviously, Pleasance and Assembly were around at that point as well. What was the camaraderie like between venues then? Um, so, yeah, well, it's... it was 1993 that at the end of the festival, that William Burdett Coots and Christopher Richardson came to see me. Mm -hmm. Oh no, it was 1992. They came to see me and said, "Let's join up next year." Yeah. And I went oh, really. <laughs> so they had. A, I mean, what was your what was your knowledge and relationship with them before that? Because you'd been running the Good Blue and the Cowgate from eighty six. Mm -hmm. So did they, you know they, them? I they... had obviously made a mark. I mean, yeah. um, I would say that William. I was going to say that Assembly had. Um, I mean, they would get the bigger comics, and. Pleasance as well. Is that just because you didn't have the bigger room? No, I didn't have any big rooms, mm -hmm. you know. So I was like the baby, as we still, I still feel we are, mm -hmm. you know. We've not managed to um, go past them in any shape or form. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I remember Christopher Richardson and William saying, You don't want to get too big. <laughs> and I'd go, What? You know, yeah. oh, you've got another one. You don't want to get too big, but. 
you know, all of but them how, got big. How many venues did they? Because was in those days, say ninety two, when you were collaborating, were they? It was Pleasance just in the courtyard, and Assembly was just on George Street. Yeah, yeah. But they still had a good few venues. Mm-hmm. You know, but, but did you have more, or th- they were they just wary of you overtaking them, or? Yeah, they were wary of me overtaking them. Yeah, and and it only started really um, at the end of the nineties and the noughties when I went into TV it because um, Christopher Richard or Pleasance wanted TV it as well. Yeah, and and, and I had been talking to them about. Uh, the Dome and TV it. Mm-hmm. and in a way I wish I'd pushed to get both Yeah, but I'm, I wasn't greedy No, but it, you think about it I have, I have applied I applied to get um, Adam House uh, in day. the 90s I applied to get um, other spaces in George Square and in fact I, I promote, used to promote in George Square Theatre mm-hmm. uh, I applied to get the space um where the BBC went to... Um, yeah, when it was a car park. Or and I applied to go where Underbelly is in Bristol Square. I and But none of them would take me seriously. And I'm not sure whether it was because of my relationship with the Students' Union or mm-hmm. what it was. But, um, the council or but at least now the university have taken us seriously and offered us Adam House. So yeah. yeah. I'm pleased to say... Um, another place we operated actually was in Carlton... Carlton, Carlton Road, Carlton, Carlton Street, Colton Street, the Carlton Studios. <laughs> what are you the Colton <laughs> Studios, which what are you talking about. I did, I did another um, satellite venue mm-hmm. in the Colton Studios, which was a very big nighttime. You know, there was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of nighttime stuff going in on there. I only did that for a year or two. And I found it too difficult to... I mean, well, we did the Palladium, of course. Yeah, I know. I loved the Palladium. It was a beautiful venue. But um, it was regular music and um, another guy who owned... Well, regular music didn't own it, but they had the rights to it. And the, the guy who... Martin, who owned it... He decided to sell it, and it became an auction house, which was a shame. But it was much different then, in that you didn't really worry too much about doing stuff in other parts of the city. Was that what do you mean? I didn't worry too much. Well, now it's like, well, you can't have a venue in the new town. That's mad. But what back then? I mean, Pleasance Assembly, Go to Bloom were all quite distant from each other. They had good, you know, they were in. Well, when I think about kind of it, owned their space, but then, but you're saying that you started. Uh, and then the Palladium was in the new town and yeah. on just off Broughton, Broughton Street. Street. Was it was it easier? Was the festival more part of the entire city then? Yeah, because now it's terrifying to open somewhere that isn't you know two minutes from well, Bristol Square. You probably don't know this, but Addison Cresswell off the curb yeah. had a comedy club in the festival at the top of Broughton Street. Um, where in under the street. Oh really? Yeah. Really? He he. I can't remember what he called it, but you know, I mean, there was people coming along. All I mean, in the nineties, that's when all the competition started. Really? You know, I mean, I was trying to get a, a wee bit ahead of, of the game by then. I mean, the stand were were very very, um, not very nice to us mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. in the beginning, 
I mean, I'm so glad I got to know Tommy and, and yeah. we've got a good relationship now. But at the beginning, my God, they were, you know, Hard. I used to do the best of Scottish comedy and he would say, you're not the grassroots of Scottish comedy, you know, and I'd go, oh, for God's sake. I used to do best of Irish. So yeah. I let them do it, you know. And on, and yeah, they do a lot of that. No. But, you know, that it's like having two pubs beside each other and them both being able to work. Yeah, we all should be able to work That's alongside right. each other. That's it doesn't right. need to be so competitive, which it obviously is now. Yeah. And thankfully, we've got a good relationship with some of the other big venues, but it can be hard. It is. And I just want to say, um, we have had so many good people come out of the Gilded Balloon over the years. Yeah. And where are we going on Monday, Katie? Matilda! <laughs> Tim mentions Matilda. Yes, we are. It's RSC's Matilda. But oh, sorry. Well, you know. But, yes. uh, I mean, that's somebody that came out of the Guild of Blue. Well, that's what, done. what takes us on to the end of this episode, is that oh, right. we're, next Wednesday is the deadline for this year's programme, isn't mm-hmm. it? I know. So, God. and you're only as good as your programme. We have beautiful venues. We're very excited about our venues this year, but it's all the show about the shows that fill them. Mm-hmm. So, are you excited about this year? How are you feeling? Nervous? I think we've got a good programme, but, you know, um, the proof of the pudding, as they say, is in the eating. So let's see. Yes, yeah, no, we've got a fantastic programme coming, uh, and we just need to get it all done and dusted by Wednesday. Big week to come. It is a big week to come. A big year to come. Yes, very excited about it. I'm glad to have you back, Katie, (laughs) on the podcast. (laughs) Yes. uh, We're going to to try and do... We're going to try and improve our podcast techniques. Yes, before I go, let me say, uh, please like us and rate us on iTunes. Uh, the more likes we get, the more people are likely to find us and listen to these ramblings. Uh, like Gilda Balloon on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and uh, follow the website and the um, social media links to find out more about the podcast. This is this is Katie saying, now do as you're told. <laughs> <laughs> please do, do as lovely. I do, not as I do. Yes. Um, do as I do, not as I do. That was no, really do do, insightful not, there, Mum. All right, thank you very much for listening to this week's episode. Thank you. Oh no, I'm not. I'm th- <laughs> thank you for listening to this week's episode. Okay, goodbye for now. Uh, bye for now. <laughs> <laughs>